So, Brent, thank you so much for coming here yes. on a Sunday. Um, you've been in Kelowna for about four or five years. Yes. Tell us the story of how you got to Kelowna. Um, well, my mom got a job opportunity here. She's a nurse. Mm-hmm. And so I was playing baseball in university and in the States. And so it was kind of one of those things where you can only FaceTime somebody for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's my mother. So I figured, you know what? Let's both at least go to Kelowna. I'll have my off seasons and stuff here, even though there's snow. Yeah. And, um, yeah, kind of been here ever since that. Very nice. So I want to talk to you about baseball because it's mm-hmm. actually my favorite sport. Oh, uh, good. I played as a kid. Nice. Um, when when was your first game? Was it T-ball? Like as a little no, kid? No, I actually, so I started off as a swimmer, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, then my first baseball game was at 10 years old. Okay. Yeah, so I was a late addition, and the lady that signed me up said, you probably won't make a team, or, you know, it might take a couple years, so I just took that as a challenge, like anything else, mm-hmm. and made the team that year, and then uh, that was my life. For, and what, what city was that? That so, was in Victoria. Okay, yeah. is that where you're from? I was born in Victoria. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, baseball actually took me away from Victoria, so it's kind of funny that, you know, to yeah. go back to that lady and shake her hand, because she actually gave me a lot. In that one little spiel. Really? Yeah. So, uh, because she told you it was unlikely for you to succeed, you were mm-hmm. like, I'm going to show her. Yeah. Even I just, at 10 years old, yeah. That kinda. Yeah, I just, I think it was probably because of my parents, uh, mm-hmm. but they're just like, if you want to do something, nothing's impossible, but nothing's easy either. So, they're just saying, if you want something, work for it. Yeah. And see if you can't catch it. And if you don't, wherever you are, at least you aren't in the same spot that you were. Right. And so I see that as how I approach pretty much everything in my life up to now. Right. So I owe them a lot. Yeah. So what positions have you played in baseball? Uh, I started off as a pitcher. I think it was just because I could kind of mm-hmm. be in the general vicinity. Uh, then I played third base coming up as like a teen. And then I played center field my last year high school and university because I wanted to be on the field. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, all the other spots are kind of taken, so my opening was center field, so I learned how to play that, and that took me for the last however many years. Mm-hmm. That was my that was my spot. Baseball is uh, such an interesting sport because mm-hmm. you pretty much have to be good at running, catching, throwing, yeah, no matter what position you play. Ideally, uh, yeah. <laughs> in the American League, I guess you don't need necessarily to be a great runner if you can uh, hit. You yeah. Can, yeah, if you can hit. Mm-hmm. Right, but uh, you need like multiple skills to be good at any position. Yeah. Uh, what well, did you have a favorite position out of those, or it was just wherever you could get in? Uh, I learned to love center field just because it's kind of like catching in a way that you have everything in front of you. Yeah, the game kind of comes to you. Right, and uh, I never had an issue with with leadership. I don't like telling people what to do or how to do it, but if you come to me and say, like, oh, how can I do this? Or where should I be with this hitter? I kind of gravitated towards making sure everyone was all right and mm-hmm. trying to put us in the best position to win, mm-hmm. whether you're a rookie or a veteran or whatever. If I see something, I'll tell you. Right. And so that position kind of afforded me a certain level of uh, captaincy, I guess, yeah. and just to help us win. Did... Uh you, I'm sure you had dreams of playing in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, did you seriously pursue that, or was it something to 
occupy the time while you were in No, yeah, university. I did. Uh, played independent ball after university, too. So I was down in Palm Springs. I was in Kentucky. Uh, uh, they kind of... A lot of around. bus rides. Yeah, yeah. buses, planes, uh, those 15-passenger vans. Yeah, some of the motels, I don't think we should have stayed in, honestly. <laughs> they, they were... They were uh, they were interesting. They weren't the cleanest all the time, but the connections I've made and people I've played with, like some of my buddies have made their major league debuts in the last couple of years here uh, with like the Phillies, uh, St. Louis Cardinals. So Amazing. guys, so that, guys played that you with, played with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they went on and, and did their own thing, but I had a different calling and I'm actually really happy I realized that when I did because mm. at least I'm still a young man and I'm not... Uh, regretting anything right and how old were you when you uh realized that you know major league baseball is probably not going to happen and um 23 24 maybe yeah. is when i because i was always i was writing songs and doing that kind of stuff in the bus anyways really and so i realized i had a passion for it but it's just not really when you're in kind of a brute mentality and you're supposed to be physical and nobody really asks you what's going on in your brain. Right. So right. it could be with performance and, and yeah. showing up for the game. Exactly. I was a leadoff hitter too, so it's like hit 300, you know, steal some bases, run around, come back tomorrow. That yeah. was kind of it. Nobody really cared, can you write a song? Can you sing? Can you do this? Right. Uh, so that's when I kind of realized that I wanted to be I wanted to be able to help more people mm-hmm. and touch more people with the talents I felt that I have. Right. Um, and so that kind of led me to, that was for the first time since I was 10, since that conversation, thinking maybe I can do more yeah. than I'm not just an athlete. Right. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like on the road? I mean, is there a lot of partying? Is there, uh, does, does everybody get along on the same team or is it, um, know, I'm just curious like what, what it's like. Not everybody has to get along, really. I feel like it's like that with any sport. You have right. different personalities, so it's like your first day of kindergarten. There are some people that you're right. going to gravitate to. There are some people that you're like, you know what, maybe we grew up differently or they have different values. Yeah. But you respect them because you both work hard to get there. Right. Um, as for parties and stuff like that, I mean, there are certain places you go, like Arizona or Florida, where you can get into more trouble, if you want to call it that. But it just really depends who you are. You have mm-hmm. some people who will stay out all night, show up to the hotel at whatever time, sneak in, sneak out, and be there in time for the team bus. You have other people who are very squared away and they have their routines and they don't uh, deviate from that until the off season. Right. So it's just really a personality thing. How about you? I stayed pretty quiet. Right. Uh, mom, you know, love you. Yeah. But... There were definitely times where you go out with a few teammates and yeah. you have fun and you do stuff, but I was never a guy to just follow the crowd because I thought it was something to do. If I thought it was a bad idea, right. I'm fine with staying in the hotel, staying home. You do what you want. I'll see you at the game tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. I heard uh, an interview with Kobe Bryant recently, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, his teammates were always like, well, we're in Dallas. we got to go out. And he's yeah. like, okay, I'll go out with you. And he went out and had a few drinks. Yeah. And then five in the morning, he's mm-hmm. pounding up their door. Yeah. And he's like, I hung out with you. Now you're going to come and practice. Yes. And he was like that devoted to, yeah. you know, perfecting his skills and everything. Mm-hmm. So he's like, if you want to do that, fine, but you're going to show up for practice. Right? I think that's how it has to be. You can do whatever you want. You just have to be able to put up with the consequences of what you do. Yeah. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you, don't do this, don't do that. Mm-hmm. But if you can help us win the next day, perfect. If right. you can't, then you have to change what you're doing. That was my 
some people find it too intense, but I feel like if you're already, you know, blessed enough to play a sport for a living or even in college or whatever, then just do your job. Yeah. That's it. That's all I ask. Exactly. Yeah. Um, a little more on baseball. So mm-hmm. tell us what you love about baseball. Uh, I didn't talk about it for hours because I, you know, I was uh, seven. Mm-hmm. And I went to the first Toronto Blue Jays game with my dad. Nice, yeah. And he said, you know, Toronto actually has a big tradition of baseball. Even though it's a, an American sport, mm-hmm. we've had minor league teams for decades. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's actually kind of a Canadian sport, too. It mm-hmm. always has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and he taught me all the rules and everything. I was seven years old. So, mm-hmm. uh, and we had season tickets. So, I went to hundreds of games, That's Blue awesome. Jays games. You know? yeah. I always loved it. Um, tell us what you love about baseball. Oh, man. I I think it's just the fact that it takes a second to even be okay at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be naturally gifted. And me and my friends, we were fortunate enough to, to be in that boat where we had some gifts coming in. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's also not like soccer or football um, where you kind of just pick it up and you go, even though those have their own challenges. It's... Not everybody can hit a round ball with a round bat. Not yeah. everybody can throw to a person or a target. Right. Um, and I just like the the mental aspect of it too. Just um, figure out different counts or how do I get this person out? How do I do this? Where should I position myself? Yeah. Uh, I think those are a lot of things that are missed though from people who casually watch it or say they don't like baseball because it's boring or yeah. whatever. Uh, you may not always be moving around, like say a hockey game, right. but there's always something going on, mm-hmm. and I like that aspect. Trying to figure that out, so true, is is beautiful to me. So true. I sometimes compare it to like if you don't know anything about chess and you're watching two guys sitting across from a table, you're mm-hmm. like they're not doing anything, exactly. But there's so much going on, exactly. And uh, to me, it's one of the only sports where you can have a nice conversation mm-hmm. with the person sitting next to you. Yeah. And still be intensely focused on the game. Yeah. At the same time, hockey, you can't really mm-hmm. be conversing when the play is going on. Yeah. You know? I see that. Um, so, yeah, it's just a great sport. I'm sure we can talk about it. Oh, for hours. It. yeah. It's, it's, it's in my heart forever. So Awesome. Awesome. So, when did you realize, like you said you were around 23 when you realized you're going to move away from baseball and mm-hmm. to music, but when uh, did you first realize you were a musical person? And you had some desire to explore um, that. Pretty young, actually, because in my household, Sundays were kind of music day. Mm. So there was, I mean, football is obviously a thing, yeah. too. But it was kind of either go outside or spend time listening to music. So we had, like, Bob Marley. We had a bunch of stuff playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was just how I was raised. So we always listened to music or, yeah. you know, we would sing ourselves or sing along to songs. And I just realized... At, even at that age, I was like, you know what? I would change that word to this. I feel like it would sound cool. I, would, I think it would sound cool if this instrument kind of dropped back a bit. This one was a little louder. Maybe we could do a different mix to this. Mm-hmm. So I always thought about it that way, but I never, I didn't even know it was a job. Honestly, I didn't know it was a, a thing. You know, right. I, I heard these musicians and I heard myself and I never put the two together. Right. Um, so it was always like a them versus me kind of thing. Yeah. But I'd say from from then, from those music Sundays and, and that kind of thing, I realized that I had a passion for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining you on the uh, the bus with mm-hmm. the baseball team. Mm-hmm. It can be really boring, mm-hmm. especially at night. Yeah. Half the team's asleep and uh, I'm imagining you with headphones on listening to music. And yeah. 
you know, maybe writing. Mm-hmm. Were you writing stuff down? Yeah, that's yeah. my first song, actually, I got recognized. Um, I worked with a producer in Vancouver. That was, like, my first recording. And that song was actually written in my kitchen at the time. So it was just, I got home, and I was like, oh, I have this idea, and I just kind of let it all out of my head. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being the very first thing that I recorded professionally. Nice. Um, and nobody really knows where songs come from, but I just thought it was funny that that came from a bus ride, got home, wrote it in the kitchen, and that ended up being my kind of way into the door. Your debut. Yeah. So you obviously had some influences growing mm-hmm. up. I think you said Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what kind of music did your family listen to? And what, what music did you start to take a liking to as you got older? Um, I'd say early on it was reggae, R&B. Um, that's what your family was into. Yeah, that's yeah. what we all listened to, and the and jazz. Um, and then I listened to more like pop stuff, especially with choosing walk up songs for. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of if you're oh, an yeah. athlete, it's like in the gym, it's always hip hop and different stuff. So then I learned to kind of navigate like Biggie and like the Tupacs right. and the people. And so even in the minor leagues, they they let you pick a walk up song. For yeah, like in that. for college baseball, I mean, we had walk up songs. So you pick your little however long it is, fifteen seconds snippet. Yeah, everybody tries to take their time, so you get to the favorite part of your song. You know, you adjust your gloves a little too much, or you accidentally <laughs> drop your bat just to hear what you need to hear. Uh, but yeah, they let you pick a song as long as it's friendly. Right, um, like family friendly. Yeah, they don't yeah. really want any bunch of cursing. Yeah, because kids look up to you anyways when you. Right doing superhuman things that, as they see it. Yeah. So, you know, we we had a we had parameters, but they let you pick whatever they think will There's a lot of hip hop at that time. A lot of hip hop. There's a lot of country, especially, you know, playing in a place like Kentucky or even like a Florida or something like that. You get a lot of country artists and that kind of thing, and people who listen to country. So that um, that definitely got my ear tuned to different things depending on where I was too. So it was fortunate in that way. Nice. Mm-hmm. So your tastes are pretty diverse. Yeah, if it sounds good, I'm down. Yeah. Do you have uh, any current favorite artists? Uh, I love what Ed Sheeran does with his voice wow. and his guitar. Like it's and even the looper pedal that he uses, it's mm-hmm. awesome. What's a looper pedal? Just for people who don't know. Oh, just if you so you play you can a kind segment of save and, then, a and then you loop yeah. it. Yeah, so yeah. you can kind of choose when to turn it on, when to turn it off, tap it with your toe, kind of thing. So yeah. you can, you know, he bangs on his guitar, so it'll kind of have like a bass rhythm, like a four count or something. Yeah. And then he'll save that and then play on top of it. So you kind of it's like building a little pyramid of a of a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then by the end, you add your vocals, but you have a full band's worth of sound with one guy mm-hmm. and I think the way he does that is incredible and just the way he lives his life because mm-hmm. um, he's he's very public but at the same time he has a, a personal life he has a family he has right. things that he keeps separate and I, I appreciate that yeah you know? do you uh, do you play any instruments percussion guy yeah so I yeah. just bang on stuff that's so more violent the better yeah right <laughs> uh, and is that something you just picked up yourself or did you take lessons? Uh, my dad actually has played the drums forever. And okay. so I've watched him. We had the little electronic set at home so nice. as not to disturb the neighbors and stuff. So yeah. he kind of so taught me play with headphones things. if you yeah. need to. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, you're just in your own world and nice. have fun. Yeah. And uh, do you play actual drum set or is it more like bongos and... Uh, no, the actual setup, yeah. yeah. Um, now it's a lot with songwriting or trying to make different stuff. It's a lot more electronic than mm-hmm. 
probably when I was a teenager because it's just easier to have my laptop or iPad or whatever and do it that way. Right. But definitely the lessons I learned from having an actual kit or hearing the the real live music yeah. helps with what I'm doing now. I gotta think there, there's gotta be some joy for you mm-hmm. in playing on a big drum kit mm-hmm. because you're a physical person, you're an athlete. Just yeah. being able to move your body like that mm-hmm. uh, it's a little bit different than just tapping on keys. It is, right? yeah. Um, so, do you ever get a chance to, to play on a drum kit? Not so much anymore, really, with what I'm doing, because now I focus more on the writing part, yeah. so I more just kind of fill in where I need to, and I don't worry about the real beat all the time. Right. Um, and I have some awesome people that I work with here in Kelowna, too, that kind of help me put everything together. So if mm-hmm. I come with an idea, even if it sounds crazy, it can be like, I kind of want something that sounds like this, and they'll meet me halfway, or sometimes even over halfway, and be like, I think this is what you mean. Yeah. And they kind of understand my, my crazy a little bit. Yeah. And so that, that helps me out a ton. So when you say writing, is it music and lyrics? Luke Mankus is a realtor. He loves what he does. We asked Luke if he had any regrets about moving here in 2011. And he always says, yeah, one regret. And that is, he didn't move here sooner. When Luke came here, he didn't know anyone. He didn't know the neighborhoods or anything or anyone besides his daughter, who was six years old at the time. So he knows what it's like. Now, he's an expert and has helped well over 100 single people, couples, families, and investors with their real estate needs in the Okanagan. If you're new to our beautiful city, Luke can help you get connected with great lawyers, dentists, carpenters, landscapers, swimming pool installers, you name it. And whether you're new to Kelowna or not, Luke knows real estate. He can help you find a great property, negotiate a good deal, and hold your hand all the way through the process until the day you get your shiny new set of keys. Luke is known as a no-pressure kind of guy. He's had clients where it took even a year or more to get them into a property. He just doesn't believe in rushing things. On the other hand, when you decide it's time to act, he's diligent, and he'll work day and night until the job is done. Give Luke Make Us a call or a text message at any time, 778-215-4273. Again, that's 778-215-4273, 778-215-4273 to chat with Luke about real estate. So when you say writing, is it music and lyrics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you kind of I'll have a melody or something in my head that I'll jot down, and then I like the storytelling of songs. So I like starting a listener from A, finishing at B, taking them all the way through because I see music as uh, short stories. Right. That's, that's how I see it. So like for, Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Most of the songs are like a story. Yeah, they're yeah. painting a picture for you. Yeah. So for three minutes or whatever long. A person could shut their brain off, just listen to this, focus on this. And I think that's why it's so emotional, too, because if you've gone through a breakup, there are certain songs you're like, oh, they're talking just to me, and you shut it off. Or if you just graduated, you know, you have certain songs like, that's my song, I love it, you turn it up. So I think that's why music affects people the way it does, because they're all stories that we all have a piece of, even if we don't have the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And you start with the music or the lyrics? Uh, it just kind of depends. Like sometimes I'll be driving along or walking along, and I'll have an idea, or I'll see something just in my daily walk, and uh, be like, you know what, that's a cool story, and I'll mm-hmm. start there, film the music after. Then other times I'll 
I'll wake up with music in my head and be like, that sounds awesome. I just need to find a story to put on top of that. Uh-huh. So it just kind of just depends. depends. That. Yeah. So you said uh, you'll jot it down. Mm-hmm. Are you writing actual musical notes or like how do you, how do you record? No. Uh, mentally a, a melody or a, a beat? It's pretty easy to keep it in my head. Okay. Um, if I'm... If I'm in a place where I feel like people may not get what I'm doing, I kind of just try to quietly hum it into my voice memo on my phone or something and then keep it for later. But for the most part, I just kind of keep humming it or keep adding to it as the day goes on. And then when I do get to a chance where I can sit down and um, actually do it on my laptop or something like that, then it's pretty well done in my head. Right. Um, so I may miss a couple conversation pieces when I'm in that mode of people like, good morning. Like, yeah, good morning. And I'm back to what I'm doing. Right. But I'm pretty good at keeping it in my head. Cool. Um, so for those of us who haven't heard your music yet, mm-hmm. what would you compare your style to? I know it's very unique, but um, like... Man, I don't know. I feel like I've taken from... I like a lot of the people that I've... I like the storytelling of like a Marvin Gaye. Like you talk uh-huh. about love and you talk about kind of the, the good parts of love, you know? Right. Um, but so I also, would you just say it's mostly positive? Like, uh, yeah. I know a lot of... Uh, I get frustrated because mm-hmm. a lot of uh, love songs are sad loves. Love yeah. songs are about breakups and yeah. very, very sad. I don't want to hear that all the of time. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I like happy songs, so... Um, when you're writing a love song, for example, mm-hmm. is it generally happy or is it like break up and pain? Uh, I'd say there are a few that are break up and pain, but I try to write it in a way where it's also open to interpretation. So okay. I try to, so there's a song I have called I Don't Know, and I tried to write that as if you come in with kind of a, I just found somebody, mm-hmm. you're going to see the, the positive highlights. If you're coming into it with, I just lost somebody, then you're going to see maybe some darker ones Mm -hmm. and so I try to leave it so that wherever you're at my song will meet you there and that's uh, maybe a unique way to look at it and I don't know if anyone looks into music that way but I just try to make sure that you can find something with whatever I write or put out you can find something in there nice and I feel like that'll hopefully help some people that I haven't even met in person before Mm -hmm. and you're you're a singer Mm -hmm. do you uh, are you comfortable if I put you on the spot and you just sing a verse or is that sure yeah why not alright because I'd love to hear it I haven't heard anything you've done sure yeah so well, let's uh, see uh, what do you I just talked about I don't know let me bring the old lyrics back here uh, okay you ready yeah alright I'm tired of talking on the phone when this distance feels full grown and I don't know where I'll go but I know I can't keep on like this I know we can't keep on like this Feels like I'm a psycho everywhere that I go I don't want to be alone, I don't want to sing this song Feels like I'm a psycho everywhere that I go I don't want to be alone, I don't want to sing this song There we go. That's awesome. Yeah. This is so great. Thank you. Yeah, I could listen to you for a long time. I, I hope so. That's, that's, <laughs> that's really nice. Thank you. So I want to ask you a little bit about the music business because I know it's like changed quite a lot mm-hmm. from, you know, when I was a kid, even from when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff is electronic. Um, even the recording equipment, I think, is more accessible now. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, the, the drum kits mm-hmm. that you talked about, it was pretty expensive. Like, yeah. you know, a middle class person could afford it, but it was pretty expensive. It wasn't like something you just go to 
no. art and pick up. You yeah, know? he needs an opportunity for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a parent that's, you know, willing to support you in that. Yes. But I think it's, you know, the technology, like the software we're recording on mm-hmm. right now is free. Right. It comes with the computer. Right. You know? um, so tell us a little bit, like, what is it like? Do you book studio time? Uh, do you have a publisher that pays for your studio time? Like, how does it? How does it work business-wise? Uh, so I'll book studio time uh, right. for my own personal projects to, to get them out there. Right. Um, so now I'm at a point where I'm talking to other people who help, can help me out with that. Right. But for anyone starting out, yeah, you find a, a recording studio and it may be, say, $60 an hour. Right. And if you can do that... Um, that's a good way to have a professional sound, mm-hmm. even if you don't have any sort of backing. Right. Uh, so you don't necessarily need, like you said, like sometimes back in the day, people would walk in or a radio station be like, here I am, I'm talented. Um, and I think now too many people have taken advantage of the system and said, I actually wrote that song. I need that mm-hmm. $10,000 for myself. Or So there's a bunch of copyright and different stuff. So if you're starting out, I think it's a lot easier to seek out a student with a good engineer or producer, where, whatever you do. If you write uh, and you want to find someone else to sing it, whatever the case may be. Right. Um, yeah, there are definitely studios around. And here I go to Big Audio Productions. Okay. Yeah. And uh, $60 an hour as a typical rate, would that include the sound engineer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you should that, actually. It's, That's something it's you could bad. do. Yeah. Uh, Let's say, are your songs around like three to five minutes long? Yeah, in general, they're all between there. Mm -hmm. And typically, how many hours of studio time would you need to get that at? Oh, there are some songs that I've done in an hour. And there are some, there was one song that we did called Tattoo, where we had a live choir section. So I brought, I think it was five people in that were generous enough to help me out. And that one took maybe three, four hours just because you're singing the song, you're kind of making sure all the levels are correct, and then you go through your editing process, the whole thing. And so that takes a little bit longer just to get it right. So it depends how picky you are, really. I'm pretty... Like, if I'm already in the studio, I want it to be as perfect as I can. Yeah. Uh, And so... But when you find good people, you really can... That you work well with, you really can get things done quicker. But it's a process. Yeah. For sure. So if you're reasonably prepared going in, I mean, you could produce yeah. a track for a few hundred dollars. Yes. Yeah. And for sure. You don't need to pay the... Some studios I know out there are like $3,500 for a song or $5,000 for a song or whatever wow. the case may be. Uh, but it just depends who you run into and what you bring to it. If you're leaning on someone else the whole way, it's going to be more expensive. Right. If you're coming in with your own thoughts, ideas, sounds... And really, you're just there for a quiet space with a good microphone. Mm-hmm. It's going to be less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The choir, would you pay them? Or are they doing it for being able to get the credit on the song? Uh, you can have it for both. These people happen to be my friends here in Kelowna. Mm-hmm. So they all help me out for free. And they just wanted to help me make a, a good song. Yeah. Which is awesome. But if you go elsewhere and you don't have personal connections, then usually there's a, a, a fee for the artist you bring in. So right. if you want a guitar or something, it might be... $50 for this song. We may be here three hours or something. Yeah. It just depends on the level they're at, too. If you find a beginner that's willing to take 50 bucks, you're good. If you find someone who's a little more accomplished who says, look, I don't get out of bed for less than $2,500 <laughs> right. or you know, something like yeah. that, then it just depends who you know and which city you're in, a bunch of things. Like right. 
And uh, did, what, if, what if it becomes a hit single? Like, does that person for $50 or $2,500, does they get a percentage going forward, or is it one-off? Like, they're uh, just... Usually it's just they get paid for their part, yeah. because yeah. unless they're in on the writing process and everything, then it kind of yeah. goes down the rabbit hole of how involved were you. Yeah. Um, but really, it's just kind of the, the creators who get... Uh, mm-hmm. So even with my songs on iTunes or something like that, when somebody buys a song or with streams on Spotify, that kind of thing, that'll come back to me as the creator. So I don't have to seek out the engineer that maybe helped me or anything right. like that. Right. And do you use a lawyer to uh, do copyrights and things like that? At this point, no. Uh, to sign with someone else. So I do all my stuff under Axel and Grit, which is my own kind of company. Okay. Um, but to sign with somebody else, like if you sign with Sony Music or something like that, there'll be an agreement. They'll take care of that. Because that. that's contractual. Yeah. Right. And um, copyrights exist whether you register them or not. Mm-hmm. Right. Like nobody's allowed to come in. Uh, have a tape recorder and then steal your stuff and then publish. No, it. no. As soon as the deal with writers is, as soon as your your pen leaves the paper, they say it's it's, it's copyright. That's yeah. that's your idea. That's your thought. Right. And so people can't come in, and and that's why you know I was saying before how things have changed with walking into radio stations or walking into labels because there have been so many people who have taken advantage of certain things, and nowadays it's so squared away that everyone, including the label, wants to make sure that they're covered. Yeah. They don't want to be giving $100,000 to someone who said, oh, in fifth grade I made a song that sounded like Adele's Hello. You right. should pay me. You know, everyone wants to be yeah. sure of what they have. Right. So it's gotten tougher in that regard. So with your singles, with your tracks, mm-hmm. um, what do you do? Do you upload them to iTunes? Like, how do you... And yeah, distributing that. Yeah, iTunes has a little screening process um, just for, I guess, the quality, kind of quality control of what yeah. they're putting on. And then it'll go up on, uh, they have like Apple Music, um, they have like online stores like Walmart and all this mm-hmm. stuff. They have uh, iTunes, Spotify are the big ones. So a lot of my stuff goes on to, instead of going to like Sun FM, it'll go on to satellite radio and that kind of stuff. So a lot of my listens come from online streams. Right. Yeah. So every time it gets played, you get a few pennies yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. And how do you promote it? Like, how do you get people to play it more often? Um, I think just having quality songs. Mm-hmm. Often, yeah, is the thing they start to recognize your name. So some people like, oh, you have another one. Like, yeah, I'd love to hear it just right. myself because they can follow, follow you. On exactly, iTunes and, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So for the people who are uploading, or even for the listeners who are streaming, it's all kind of about following you through a journey. So even like you know the Ed Sheerans of the world that we talked about, most people heard a certain song on the radio or wherever, and they say, I want to hear another one, or yeah. I want to hear another one. So it just kind of comes from being out there often enough mm-hmm. where you're not constantly pestering people right. but you're like I'm still here I'm still making music see if you like this one because you like the last one yeah how many uh, tracks do you have available right now if I were oh, to go online I maybe f- between 15 and 20 that are just myself right and then I've, I've written some because I, I do enjoy writing for other people and doing stuff like that yeah. And so that's something that I'm looking to get into more. But 2019 should be pretty interesting because yeah. I've been talking to some new people. So we'll see how this year goes. I'm looking to definitely do even more than last year. So a typical year, like how many tracks would you 
release? Oh, um, maybe five or six, yeah, something like that. So yeah. it accumulates over time. And, it does. You know, yeah. yeah, you can you can do a full album if you want to, but just in the way of. of electronic and digital releases it's a lot easier to do singles yeah uh, and I think the way listeners are too these days it's that instant gratification definitely so you want to click something it happens you don't always want to be locked in for 10 songs right. of one guy yeah you know sometimes you want to listen to whatever song and then have mine pop up in the middle of your workout or walk or whatever yeah. and then move on right you know so singles are, are definitely uh, for me it's been an easier way to Worm my way into people's ear. Right. Yeah. And you have a company, a business called Axel and Grit. Yes. Tell us about that. What is it? Uh, it's a creative lifestyle brand is what I call it. So like right now I'm wearing the hoodie. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to create a team atmosphere. My first little bit in Kelowna, I was used to bigger cities. Mm-hmm. And I felt like even though this was a smaller city, I felt like people were further apart. So I would always get asked, you know, did you go to university here? Did you go to high school here? Do you know anyone? And it kind of put you in a little bit of a box. And so I thought I wanted to have something that brought people together more, especially artists and creative people. Yeah. So the way I see Axel and Grit is a way to bring us all under one umbrella. So Mm -hmm. even something like a hoodie, um, I'm not like a clothing mogul or anything like that, but I want it to be a uniform. Mm-hmm. of a sense of like you know what I have a creative mind and I have all these people who also wear this hoodie this shirt this hat behind me so if I ever have a question I have like the Axel and Grit creative family yeah. with me and that's where the idea spurred from because sometimes when you say you know I'm Brent I want to help you make a song um, it's almost too good to be true like yeah what do you want in return whatever but yeah. when you kind of introduce the people that are with me and my friends my team my family and you say, look, come join us for this, it's a, it's an easier invitation because they say, like, you know what? Let me try it. This right. guy isn't trying to take advantage of me. It's just a true family atmosphere, and it doesn't matter where you went to school, where you were born, what your first language was. Mm-hmm. If you have a passion for something, even over a talent for something, if you're passionate about it, then find a way to express that. It'll come. Yeah. So is it mostly clothing? Yeah, so we do... Um, Shows as well. So I did my first concert here in Kelowna in July nice. under the Axel and Grit umbrella called the Rhythm Event. Okay, so um, it's also like a promotions company. Yeah, so, so you're we're bringing to, other artists together. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's all about so the the three kind of pillars of it are music, motivation, and culture. So the culture is kind of the clothing piece, mm-hmm. just because it's a lifestyle, it's a look, part of the team. Mm-hmm. Motivation is motivational speaking that I do. So trying to help. Wow. Youth, or you don't even have to be youth. You could be, you know, hitting the century mark. You could be 100 <laughs> years old. Yeah. And if you just have something that you want to talk about or a passion, I try to get you to see that uh, anything is possible through that hard work. The same things my parents told me. Yeah. Which not everyone has parents or guardians or anyone around them who says that. So I just try to, whether it be going into a high school, whether it be talking to other athletes, mm-hmm. um, going into a gym whatever business just try to instill that let's try to be better than we were yesterday and work together you don't have to do it alone and then the music is uh, my own studio recordings putting out music and also things like the rhythm event uh, concerts trying to get new artists to display themselves and that was of no cost to the artist so Axel and Grit rented out the venue it was come show your talent 
let's fill this place up. And hopefully after that, you have your own opportunities to go fly. People who want you get in touch with you, and I'm happy. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you have a website where people can go and uh, see what's happening with the three pillars? I do. Right now, it's just the, the clothing part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're at, what is it, axel-grit.myshopify.com. Okay. We'll uh, put links to all that. For sure. In the show notes. But, uh, Thank you. But do you have like a calendar where we can see when you're going to perform? Or not, not for 2019 yet. Not yeah, yet. I'm not too sure. I'm splitting time. I'll be going to the East Coast pretty soon here. I actually leave next week to go to Toronto to do yeah. some things. And so I haven't sorted out how my time is going to be split between Kelowna and Toronto. And right. going between there. But once I do, let everybody know and try to do it. I definitely want to do another show and, and help more artists. I've met so many amazing artists here that I feel like we can all do well. There's no point in trying to put anybody down. Yeah. It's just you're not me. I'm not them. We can all do well. Well, that's great. Yeah. I'm trying to do that with this podcast, you know, or introduce people to people like yourself. And I didn't know anything about you until we had this conversation. Yeah. So uh, it's a good thing. So, Brent, who would you like to nominate to come on the show in the future? Uh, fellow musician and Kelowna native, Chloe Davidson. She's okay. awesome. It'd be a great conversation. And she's one of the, the lightest people you'll meet. Like, she'll just, she'll, if you're having a bad day, she'll turn it around. Just her passion for life, not even, obviously she's a very talented musician, but the energy that she brings just to her own life every day, Mm. finding the positive aspects of a day, and not being afraid to lift those around her, too, not taking it as a burden, but just saying, like, I have this energy to give, let me help you out, even if it's a hello, how are you doing, like, oh, I noticed this about you, whatever, Um, she just kind of carries a goodness within her that you don't always get. Wonderful. It's awesome, man. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the time. I appreciate your time, too. And thank you for the song. And if it's uh, okay with you, Mm -hmm. um, I would like to append uh, a track of yours uh, to the end of the episode. I think it would be good for people to hear more of your great singing. Yeah, that'd be cool. Awesome. Thanks again, Brett. Thank you. When you fall asleep at night Know that I'll be running, I'll be coming to you in your dreams In your dreams When you turn to me at night Know that I'll be holding, I'll be living for you my bloodstream You're my bloodstream Feels like my heart is in Rome, in Paris And everywhere in between, oh not alone or embarrassed for hearing your symphony You can be my home, my marriage It'll never be bittersweet You're like a tattoo Soaking into my skin Feeling burning deep from within Tattoo, got me falling again Coming back to you, draw me with a pen Tattoo, oh, oh, tattoo Oh, oh, tattoo Shade, know that I'll be 